Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. It's a little after 10 p.m. in Kiev, Ukraine. As everyone starts to both do the assessment of what's taken place over the last 24 hours and also brace for what may happen overnight as Russia continues to advance on Ukraine. We've, we've heard the headlines. We've listened to uh, a lot of the explaining about where we are and what is happening in Ukraine. And we're going to try to go beyond the headlines, slow things down just a little bit. We'll get out of the rat-a-tat-tat of the, the fast-paced news cycle and see if we can't assess some of the things that have happened, some of the things that will happen in the future. More importantly, how each of us individually, how each of us as Utahns and as a country, how the allies come together, uh, and what does it mean uh, for the rest of the world. So let's begin. Think you know the news of the day. Think again. So obviously the news of the day is centered in Ukraine and spinning around what Vladimir Putin has done and what he will continue to do in the hours ahead. We want to break this down just a little bit as we go through uh, what has gone on. We know that uh, President Joe Biden spoke to the nation uh, not long ago, a delayed speech uh, that uh, carried with it uh, many of the things that we expected the president would say in terms of additional sanctions against Vladimir Putin and Russia. Uh, there were things that were left unsaid and questions that still remain. And so we want to take you through each of these and really look at it, not just so much in terms of what was said, uh, but how it was said and who it was said to. Because I think that one of the things that we're discounting is the president actually had a very tall order uh, in this speech. And that is he really had to address three significant audiences that were all very different in terms of what they were listening for. Uh, you have the speech that was directed to the American people trying to help the Americans get on board, a very war-weary nation, uh, very skeptical in terms of the United States' involvement in other places around the world. You also had a very critical speech that was being delivered to our allies around the world, not just to Ukraine, not just to the NATO allies, but others around the world who will also be impacted by what's going on. There was also, of course, the Russian audience, starting with Vladimir Putin, the messages that were being sent there, and also the more subtle messages being sent to the Russian people in terms of what this will mean to them, uh, not just to the leaders of their nation. So we want to get into all of that in this first segment and just slow it down a little bit. If you hadn't 
had a chance to listen to the president in his speech a little earlier. We're going to go through that so you can see what the context of that was. And remember, in my view, the president really had to to do some important things in terms of framing this issue and debate. Uh, You have Vladimir Putin, who has really flipped the script uh, and is such a master of misinformation and disinformation. Uh, He's proven that even technologically he can get us arguing with each other, with ourselves, uh, let alone arguing with other places around the world. And this is a, a time and a season where Vladimir Putin is calling good evil and evil good. We know how that plays out. And so the president had to cut through all of that and be very specific. So let's go to the president. President Biden said that Vladimir Putin made a choice. He This is a war of choice. He chose to attack Ukraine unjustly, uh, without merit or reason. Take a listen. Putin is the aggressor. Putin chose this war. And now he and his country will bear the consequences. So first laying that out, obviously, in terms of uh, what did happen who's responsible for that to make that very clear obviously the the miss and disinformation campaign from vladimir putin trying to paint this as uh getting rid of nazis at the head of the ukrainian government uh the irony of that of course is rich in that the president is jewish and so the president was very clear in terms of painting russia and uh clarifying that russia was the aggressor in all of this The president then went on to do what everyone expected he would do. And I think what many Democrats and Republicans were both hoping he would do sooner, and that is lay out harder, more specific sanctions that the U.S. would levy against Russia. Today, I'm authorizing additional strong sanctions and new limitations on what can be exported to Russia. This is going to impose severe costs on the Russian economy, both immediately and over time. We have purposefully designed these sanctions to maximize the long-term impact on Russia and to minimize the impact on the United States and our allies. So President Biden went on to to articulate some of those. Uh, He also talked about uh, sanctions on Russian banks uh, that hold over a trillion in assets, uh, cutting off a lot of the the access there. Uh, He also announced sanctions on more Russian oligarchs. Uh, And this is sort of the Russian doll component of you have these larger organizations and an inside of that you have something and inside and inside and on the very inside is the oligarch who's really controlling all the money. And the president was very specific to target them. As promised, we're also adding the names to the list of Russian elites and their family members that are sanctioning that were sanctioned as well. As I said on Tuesday, these are people who personally gain from the Kremlin's policies and they should share in the pain. We will keep up this drumbeat of those designations against corrupt billionaires in the days ahead. On Tuesday, we stopped the Russian government from raising money from U.S. or European investors. Now we're going to apply the same restrictions to Russia's largest state-owned enterprises, companies with assets that exceed $1.4 trillion. So going after those large entities and, again, getting it right down to the oligarchs that often control those, uh, far away from the, the cameras and the, the lights. The president then went on to shift now to our allies. So that, those were the messages, the specifics in terms of the sanctions, uh, which I also have to think Vladimir Putin was not surprised by any of those. Uh, he certainly had to calculate all of that out as he was beginning this process, knowing exactly what the West and what the president would do. 
Uh, it was interesting that the president, uh, in delaying his speech, uh, actually allowed Boris Johnson from the United Kingdom to lay out most of those sanctions and say, and the U.S. will do the same. Uh, so it took a little bit of the, the thunder there from President Biden in the delay of giving the speech, uh, actually had the U.K. lead out in terms of what those sanctions would be. Having done that, the president shifted now and, and went to our NATO allies and reaffirmed the commitment of the United States to defend NATO territory. Some of the most powerful impacts of our actions will come over time as we squeeze Russians' access to finances and technology for strategic sectors of its economy and degrade its industrial capacity for years to come. Between our actions and those of our allies and partners, we estimate that we'll cut off more than half of Russia's high-tech imports. It will strike a blow to their ability to continue to modernize their military. It will degrade their aerospace industry, including their space program. It will hurt their ability to build ships, reducing their ability to compete economically. And it will be a major hit to Putin's long-term strategic ambitions. In addition to the economic penalties we're imposing, we're also taking steps to defend our NATO allies, particularly in the East. Tomorrow, NATO will convene a summit. We'll be there to bring together the leaders of 30 allied nations and close partners to affirm our solidarity and to map out the next steps we will take to further strengthen all aspects of our NATO alliance. The United States will defend every inch of NATO territory with the full force of American power. So that covers two of the audiences the president was trying to get to. Obviously, his uh, message to Russia, to Vladimir Putin in particular, in terms of what these sanctions were going to be and what they would do. Next, a message to our allies that the United States would defend and protect every inch of NATO territory. Uh, so that was an important message. When we come back, uh, the president will talk to the American people in terms of what is the cost of standing for freedom? What do each of us need to do individually and what will we do together uh, to make things actually move forward. Stay with us. Much more to come on this edition of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside, Inside Sources. We're going to stay with the question when it comes to Ukraine, and we'll stay with the President of the United States. We often talk about the President as the Commander in Chief. Sometimes the President has to be the Explainer in Chief especially when it comes to framing issues for the American people. Uh, one of the things that uh, I praised the president for a week ago was he came out very strong, delivered a very strong, one of the best speeches I think he's ever given as a pretext leading up to what Russia ultimately did in crossing into Ukraine and attacking that country. And that was a, a good moment for the president. He hasn't done that since. Uh, he's been much softer, much less focused, and done less of a good job of framing what this is really all about for the American people. If you think back to the, the very messy withdrawal from Afghanistan, one of the things that the president failed to do in that moment was really help the American people understand the process, where they were, and what needed to happen, some of the risks, and why we do this. And because of that, uh, the American people are very weary and very wary of going into other places like Ukraine. And the president was very specific today in saying, no, no boots on the ground in Ukraine. 
will will do that for NATO allies uh, under Article 5 uh, of the United Nations Charter. Uh, but the president was a, a little slow, I think, in terms of getting what does this mean for the American people? He got to it a little bit and a little late in the in his message today. It's still important and it's worth going back to because I think it's important for all of us to recognize what it is this means for each of us as Americans. As we respond, my administration is using the tools, every tool at its disposal to protect American families and businesses from rising prices at the gas pump. You know, we're taking active steps to bring down the cost and American oil and gas companies should not, should not exploit this moment to hike their prices to raise profits. Now, I thought that was an interesting way to get at that. The The president said, yes, the administration is going to use every tool to protect the American people from rising prices at the gas pump. But then he felt it necessary to take a jab at oil and gas companies that they shouldn't exploit this moment to raise profits. And I think that's an interesting thing. Again, given the history of where we've been over the last year, uh, where the president has uh closed pipelines, reduced oil and gas leases that took us from a position of strength as a country where we were not only energy independent, we were a net energy exporter uh, to now where we're so dependent. And now that there is scarcity in the market, the prices go up. Of course they go up. uh, And we will feel that at the pump. But I don't think that's the right time to just poke and say, well, it's, you know, it's those uh, gas and oil companies that are exploiting this moment. They're the reasons for the higher gas prices Uh, I don't think that's uh, quite the right framing for all of that. The president went on to say that while Americans will fill the cost, we can't let Russia's actions go unpunished. And this is where I thought the president was much stronger. I will do everything in my power to limit the pain the American people are feeling at the gas pump. This is critical to me. But this aggression cannot go unanswered. If it did, the consequences for America would be much worse. America stands up to bullies. We stand up for freedom. This is who we are. So I think that was the president's best moment uh, in his speech, was reminding the American people that we stand up to bullies. We stand up to those who take advantage of the weak. Uh, We do not allow uh, the bullies to just run roughshod uh, over individuals, over communities, or countries. And while he said it, there will be a cost and a price uh, that will impact the American people. We will be we will be better off. We will be better off uh, by standing uh, and standing with our allies in Europe in uh, stopping Vladimir Putin. So that was by far the, to me the strongest moment. I think that's where the president was at his best. Uh, I think he struggled with a lot of the explaining in terms of the. Uh, sanctions themselves. Uh, That's tough to do off of a teleprompter, so no easy task for the president. Uh, I think the world wanted the president to really nail this speech and really frame the issue. As we said in the first segment, uh, this is a good and evil moment. There there is good and there is evil on this one. It's, It's easy to point it out. And we have to be reminded that rather than being so worried about uh, arguing with each other over social media, Uh, about things that uh, are not going to be relevant six days from now or maybe not even six hours or six minutes from now. Uh, There are things we should unite against. And this is one of those things where we we have to stand even even when it's uncomfortable, even when there is a cost or it creates disruption 
uh, to our economy or to uh, the price of gas or whatever it may be. Now, after the speech, the president did take questions from reporters. Again, not uh, his strong suit, but the uh, one reporter asked the president, what would stop Vladimir Putin uh, if sanctions clearly aren't working? Uh, Here's the president's response. No one expected the sanctions to prevent anything from happening. It has to show this is going to take time and we have to show resolve so he knows what's coming. And so the people of Russia know what he's brought on them. That's what this is all about. This is going to take time. It's not going to occur. He's going to say, oh, my God, these sanctions are coming. I'm going to stand down. He's going to test the resolve of the West to see if we stay together. And we will. We will. And it will impose significant costs on him. So that's an important part of this that, uh, again, these sanctions are not going to deter Vladimir Putin from what he is doing. They will inflict a cost and some pain. Uh, and the interesting thing will be the resolve. Uh, one of the things that came up over and over again was uh, the use of this SWIFT system uh, that moves money around uh, in a lot of places in Europe. Uh, and there clearly is not uh, unanimity amongst European countries in terms of whether that should be part of these sanctions or not. Uh, there was another reporter who challenged the effectiveness of the sanctions. This was a really interesting exchange. If sanctions cannot stop President Putin, what penalty can? I didn't say sanctions couldn't stop him. You've been talking about the threat of these sanctions for several weeks now. Yes, but the threat of the sanctions and imposing the sanctions and seeing the effect of the sanctions are two different things. Okay. They're two different things. And we're now going to, he's going to begin to see the effect of the sanctions. And what will that do? How will that change his mindset here, given he's because attacking Ukraine? Because it will so weaken his country that he'll have to make a very, very difficult choice as to whether to continue to move toward being a second-rate power or, in fact, respond. I want to stay with that part of the conversation. Same reporter uh, asked the president why he hadn't sanctioned Vladimir Putin specifically. You said in recent weeks that big nations cannot bluff when it comes to something like this. You recently said that the idea of personally sanctioning President Putin was on the table. Is that a step that you're prepared to take? And if not, it's not a bluff, it's on the table. Sanctioning President Putin? Yes. Why not sanction him today, sir? Mr. President. Why not sanction him today, sir? So the president was not ready to respond to that. Again, that's an interesting one. Why, why have we not? Uh, sanctioned him specifically, frozen some of those assets. I think that sends a very important message. President Biden also told reporters that Putin has larger ambitions than just Ukraine. He has much larger ambitions in Ukraine. He wants to, in fact, reestablish the former Soviet Union. That's what this is about. And I think that his, uh, his ambitions uh, are, are completely contrary to the place where the rest of the world has arrived. And that's President Biden uh, speaking today to the nation, to the world, to Vladimir Putin uh, and to reporters. And I think he had some hits. I think he had some big misses. And we're going to continue to break all of that down as we go through the day here, as we also keep our eye on Ukraine. It's evening there. It's past 10 p.m. And we'll continue to watch uh, what happens as the second night uh, begins there in the Ukraine. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. When we come back, my conversation with Representative John Curtis and the energy impact of what's happening in Ukraine coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. 
But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.